So coming together like this, practicing chanting, doing meditation, coming to listen to the Dhamma uh, is one of the highest blessings of our life. Uh, The Buddha said that uh, coming to listen to the Dhamma or the teachings of the Buddha uh, is one of the highest blessings. Uh, There's uh, 38 blessings in total. So uh, practicing like this, uh, discussing the Dhamma, uh, chanting and making the mind peaceful, uh, this is one of the, the highest blessings of our lives. So when we come to listen to the Dhamma like this, then we I think we investigate uh, on these Dhamma teachings that we hear. And when we come to understand the Dhamma, then uh, this is a type of wisdom that arises uh, within us. Uh, This is the wisdom uh, that comes from uh, thinking about the Dhamma, contemplating about the Dhamma. So it is a form of wisdom. But when we come to make the mind peaceful uh, from meditation, uh, through developing mindfulness, uh, through the four postures, sitting, standing, walking, and lying down, uh, then we may get this feeling like we uh, clearly understand the Dhamma. Uh, And this is the type of Dhamma that comes from our meditation, from our practice. And this is the Dhamma that is able to uh, relieve Uh, the suffering that arises within the mind. So when I uh, practice uh, under the uh, tutelage of the Venerable Ajahn Chah, he taught uh, the Dhamma to us, but he taught us in a way that was very easy to understand and very easy to practice by. So uh, one of the main teachings that he gave was to develop mindfulness uh, throughout your life, throughout uh, each moment. Uh, So for the monks, he taught that when uh, the monks go to their kuti or back to their dwelling, and when they enter, they should bow to the Buddha statue. And uh, when they leave the kuti or the dwelling, then they should also bow to the Buddha statue and then leave. And so this was a way for them to develop mindfulness uh, within their actions and their life. And so for you, uh, you also can develop mindfulness throughout your different activities uh, within your life. For instance, when you are about to get into a car, you you can determine then to to have mindfulness within that moment. Uh, When you're about to leave the car, then you again uh, bring up awareness and mindfulness. Uh, Or, for instance, if you get into a lift, Uh, then you again uh, have mindfulness or if you get out of the lift, then you uh, again uh, bring up awareness uh, within that moment. And so you can bring up this awareness by recollecting uh, the Buddha Dhamma Sangha through the meditation mantra, Bhutto Dhammo Sangho, and you can bring that up within the mind as a way that you have brought up uh, mindfulness within that moment. And so by practicing like this, then Uh, your mindfulness begins to become continuous and it becomes longer and and, uh, more, uh, it comes up more often. And so this is the way that you can practice 
developing mindfulness and you can practice the Dhamma within your life and uh, your activities such as your work. And so uh, you all have to practice developing mindfulness uh, throughout your life. So when you go back home, uh, you can chant uh, briefly uh, for maybe 15 minutes and, and by chanting, this is a way that you uh, bring up mindfulness, that you make it more continuous. And so this, this mindfulness is like a, a, an awareness uh, within the, the present moment. Uh, you're, you're, you're having this uh, mindfulness and awareness uh, of the, the body uh, and of the present moment. And so developing this mindfulness is like, uh, sorry, developing this mindfulness is what Lumpur Cha or Ajahn Cha said was like when we pour water out from a, a bottle. So when we first pour uh, water out very slowly, then at first it just uh, drips out and there's a lot of gap between each drop. Uh, and this is like when we practice mindfulness in the beginning. Uh, but after we practice uh, continuously, you know, we practice uh, for many years, uh, then the drops start to become more frequent. There's less gap between the drops, and slowly this uh, water that comes pouring out becomes to form into a stream of water. And this is like uh, mindfulness that is developed well. And so... It, uh, so when we practice like this, then uh, our mindfulness improves, uh, then our concentration will be more firm, we'll have more peace within the mind, and the wisdom that arises from this uh, will be a, a lot quicker. It will be able to know all these mental objects that arise uh, in the mind uh, in time. It won't follow them, and it will be able to put them down and, and let them go. So when we practice the Dhamma, we have to uh, practice uh, to develop this uh, true wisdom. And this true wisdom will allow us to, to let go. Uh, so this letting go arises from mindfulness and wisdom. Uh, there was a, uh, a story from the time when uh, there was the first disciples of of Ajahn Chah right in the beginning of uh, the, the beginnings of the monastery and uh, Ajahn Chah taught them to practice letting go and so uh, in those days they all had a very small dwelling uh, and there was one monk who had a, a dwelling and his roof was broken uh, and so all the, the rain was just coming into his, his dwelling and he didn't do anything about it he just moved to the other side. And so Ajahn Chah came walking by this, this dwelling and asked, uh, asked me, Who, who's, whose dwelling is this? Uh, they don't even repair it. And I said, oh, it's this, this uh, monk's. And uh, when Ajahn Chah asked this monk, you know, why aren't you fixing the roof? Why are you uh, leaving it like this? Uh, he answered, I'm practicing letting go. Uh, you know, to do anything uh, that's that's uh, defilements of the mind, so I'm not doing anything at all. 
And uh, Jun Cha said this was very stupid, like a, a, a buffalo. And uh, to, to you, it may not sound very offensive, but uh, for the Thai people, uh, to call someone a buffalo is a very offensive. You know, there would, any Thais who, who uh, were called, if they were called this, they'd get very upset and very angry. And so I don't know what the Singapore equivalent of uh, being a buffalo is. Uh, there was once a foreigner who, who said, hey, it's not too bad to be a, a buffalo. You know, they, maybe they're quite smart. They can plow the fields, etc. Uh, you know, so I don't know what the equivalent is, but it was something along the lines that it's, uh, you know, something very stupid to, to do. And so this isn't the way that we let go. Uh, we have to let go by, by doing uh, things, but by not attack, attaching to uh, what we're doing. Uh, and, and so that's a proper way of letting go with, with mindfulness and wisdom. So in Singapore, uh, what, what type of animal would you be called if uh, to make you, what, what type of animal would someone have to call you to, for you to get really angry, really upset? Uh, and just asked around and, you know, someone came up with a, uh, if you're called a donkey, as stupid as a donkey, then, then you know, maybe that would uh, upset you or make you angry or make you want to fight uh, or, you know, something else along those lines. And, uh, you know, this is a, a convention, you know, why is it that being called a certain thing will make someone angry and upset? Uh, you know, if we compare it to Thailand, if there was uh, some children and they wanted to sort of, uh, you know, fight it out, uh, one of them would, would draw a circle on the ground or something and uh, they'd, they'd take this uh, to be a convention, they'd say that this is my, my father, my father's head, and to, to, to touch someone's uh, head in Thailand is considered very offensive. And so uh, if the other kid came and sort of stepped on that circle that the kid drew on the ground, then they'd, they'd, that kid would get really angry and, and, you know, want to fight. And so, you know, these are, this is what we're talking about, you know, conventions, when we're talking about circles or... Uh, buffaloes or donkeys. Uh, in reality, there's no uh, circle there. There's no donkey. There's no buffalo. There's no animal there. Uh, in terms of ultimate reality, that's all just conventions. And so if we're able to contemplate and see things in this light, then uh, feelings and emotions of greed, anger, and delusion won't arise so this is what we call by making the mind empty. Uh, if it becomes empty of things that we usually attach to, uh, these conventions that we usually attach to. And so we can see things in terms of uh, truth, in terms of uh, anicca, dukkha, anatta, which is uh, impermanence, suffering, and not self. And so if we see things like this, then we're able to uh, put down our attachments, uh, and this will overcome our, our sufferings in, in the mind. So when we practice like this, uh, this is what we call practicing and learning uh, Buddhism, uh, practicing to develop the, the Buddha the, within the mind. And so we're practicing to change the mind, to make it into what we call Buddha, uh, 
the, the, no, the NOAA. Uh, and so by doing this, we develop uh, wisdom and uh, this becomes one of the blessings of our life. Uh, the Buddha taught uh, a heavenly being that was interested in asking, you know, what are the highest uh, blessings uh, in life? And the Buddha taught of 38 highest blessings. And it starts with uh, not to associate with fools and to associate with the wise. And these are the highest blessings. And when we're talking about not associating with fools, uh, we're talking about uh, not just outside, you know, people outside of you which you'd consider bad friends or that you shouldn't associate with, but also on the inside, uh, these emotions and uh, feelings of greed, anger, and delusion, uh, we try not to associate with them. And this is how we practice. And so for you coming here today, uh, this is what you're practicing. Uh, you have to give up certain uh, excitements and pleasures on the outside and you know, come here to, to the center and, and come and practice to find Dhamma. Uh, and this is one of the highest uh, things that you can do with your life. And by practicing this way, then uh, the Buddha Dhamma Sangha become uh, a refuge for our minds. So we have to practice to develop wisdom. Uh, and by developing wisdom, then we'll be able to, our mind will be able to keep up with the, these feelings or negative feelings of greed, anger, and delusion that arise within the mind. Uh, this uh, quality of lopa or, or greed, uh, you know, it can occur or we can have these feelings for even such small things, very little things. And by attaching and by having greed over these small things, uh, it can make one even lose their life or even become disabled uh, for life. And this is because their, their mindfulness is not there at that time when those uh, feelings of greed arise. And there's an example recently when uh, these two he, uh, there was a person from Rayong, where, where we are. Uh, he had a, a field of uh, whatever fruit, uh, fruit trees, and uh, there was he, he hired workers to to take to pick the fruit uh, for him. And uh, the workers, uh, they had uh, on that day there was this uh, we call rambutan tree. Rambutan tree, I think. Rambutan tree. And the workers had left one uh, rambutan left right at the top. Uh, they were too scared to, to take it because uh, they were scared they'd fall and get hurt. And so the owner of this uh, tree, of this property, uh, he got extremely angry at the workers. You know, why leave just one fruit, uh, rambutan? Uh, why didn't you get that? Uh, at that time, he didn't think that he had... He was quite old already uh, uh, that, that he wouldn't be able to climb that, that tree. Uh, but because of his strong anger, he decided that he'd go up and, and get that fruit just to show the workers that, uh, you know, that they, were, they were stupid, that they couldn't get it. And so he went up, and just before he got to that rambutan, he fell. Uh, he fell right to the ground. And there was uh, two cases of this. 
Uh, one of them lost their life, uh, and another uh, became disabled for, for life. And so this is uh, what can happen if there's feelings of uh, greed, anger, and delusion that arise, and we aren't able to put, put them down or to let them go. It can even cause us extreme danger. Uh, so therefore, we have to be very careful uh, when uh, this greed, anger, or delusion arise within the mind, then we have to develop mindfulness uh, to know it in time and to be able to let it go. Uh, don't think just uh, because they're very small uh, feelings of, of greed, anger, or delusion, you know, don't think that they're okay. Uh, you have to see it as something very dangerous as well. Uh, you have to contemplate it that these are impermanent uh, suffering and not self. And if we can see it in this way, uh, then we'll see that this, when greed arises, it just simply passes away. When anger arises, it simply just passes away. And when delusion arises, you know, it simply just passes away. And this is how we practice letting go. And so, you know, they just become uh, objects within the mind, just arising and just passing away. They're not something lasting or something that's of any value or truth. And uh, in this way, we practice letting go, and we let go of the causes of suffering in the mind. But in the beginning, we have to develop this quality of just bearing with it, what we call kanti, or patient endurance. And so when we have uh, strong feelings of greed, anger, or delusion arise, we just have to, to bear with it. We have to practice uh, patience and endurance. And this is uh, one of the 38 highest blessings uh, to develop and practice uh, patience and endurance. And so all of you have to practice this. Uh, when you work, you may become very tired. There may be people that you don't particularly like at work. You may become very sleepy uh, you know, upon coming here, meditating, or even listening to this talk, you may get very bored. Uh, you know, when these feelings, if these feelings arise or any sort of negative feelings, you have to bear with it uh, and develop this uh, patient endurance. And so I, Anumutana, uh, give my uh, blessings, uh, congratulations to all of you who have made it here, who have come to listen uh, to the Dhamma and practice. So uh, before I ordained, uh, there was some. There was about 15 days a month where I had to work a lot of overtime. Uh, from 7:30 a.m., I'd have to work till midnight uh, for for 15 days days a month. And although there was a lot of good results from this work, uh, it made me very tired. And so this was the first period of my work. Uh, but later on, uh, there became to be certain problems that arose uh, in, at work. And uh, that made me question, you know, why am I doing this? Uh, this life just ends in death. Uh, what really can you take with you? Uh, am I wasting my time like this? Uh, and so many people I could see uh, would develop uh, unhappy feelings 
be very dissatisfied uh, and they wouldn't be able to overcome these feelings of, of dissatisfaction or, or unhappiness. Uh, and, and when I had these feelings, I knew that I had to go practice the Dhamma. And so this made me develop effort uh, to put into meditating each day, uh, chanting. And so after work, I'd come back and I'd, I'd sit uh, meditation. So uh, after that, after the first period of my work, uh, I'd, I'd finish earlier. And so about 5.30, I'd finish work, go home, you know, take a shower, and then just uh, start practicing, practice chanting and meditation. And this uh, samadhi or concentration, uh, you know, sometimes I, I could get quite peaceful, other times uh, I couldn't. But I could feel that gradually the mind was becoming a lot uh, more cooler, a lot more peaceful. And uh, it, uh, these, these sort of pleasant, cool feelings would, would uh, spread uh, throughout my body. And this would make uh, any feelings of tiredness disappear. Uh, I'd even feel sometimes that there was no body at all there. And I understood that, that the feelings uh, that arise, you know, our mind comes and attaches to these feelings. Uh, but if the mind is able to, to let them go, to not uh, attach to these unpleasant feelings of tiredness, uh, then it could uh, separate it and uh, these feelings could disappear altogether. Uh, and, and so then I really tried to put uh, time into meditation and into developing mindfulness throughout uh, the day while I was working. And so for all of you as well, you fi- you'll find that if you don't put uh, forth effort into developing mindfulness throughout the day, then when you come home to meditate, then it will be very difficult to become peaceful in that sitting uh, you know, sometimes you'll sit there and the thoughts will, will go everywhere. It'll be very difficult to control. Uh, and, but for me, I, I thought back to the time when I was small and when I was still in school, and I was able to practice some meditation then, and even then I, was, I could develop some, some peace. And so when I thought back to that, I knew that uh, there was something there. Uh, there was a way to develop peace uh, within the mind. Uh, and so this, this was my sort of thinking. Uh, and, you know, even though I could develop uh, the mind to a certain uh, level of peace, it felt like there wasn't enough time to practice. And so these are the types of uh, thoughts I had before I ordained. And so when I practiced uh, before I ordained, uh, I could develop... Uh, you know, samadhi and concentration to the point where uh, the mind and the body felt extremely light. And this, these results that I developed uh, in the practice gave me a lot more faith to keep going and to keep practicing. Uh, so, but in the beginning, if you know, we don't yet have much peace uh, within the mind, it's difficult to develop. You know, we have to have a lot of patience uh, with this. Uh, we have to think that if I keep going like this each day, then one day in the future, for sure, I have to be able to experience the results, experience the peace that, that all the uh, teachers are talking about. The Buddha uh, saw results. The Buddha attained to this. Uh, the Buddha's disciples, they all saw their results. All the way to Ajahn Man and Ajahn Chah, 
they all had results and they all taught by them. And so uh, we have to think that one day we'll be able to see the results, one day we'll be able to see the Dhamma, just like the Krubhajans uh, that our, our teachers before us have seen. And so I, you, know, you, you have to practice like you are now, uh, listening to the Dhamma, chanting, gathering together, uh, practicing meditation. Uh, when I, before I ordained, you know, I like to do this as well, I like to go hear the teachings from the Krubhajans, uh, like to chant, and doing this uh, made my faith grow and my faith uh, feel very firm. So a question that was sent through email was that uh, normally during meditation uh, one will be aware of thoughts rising and passing. If one experiences a state of cessation of thoughts in meditation, then should the meditator just let this state continue as long as possible and enjoy the blissful stage? And part two is, is this a state that one should maintain even when out of meditation so that no karma is created? Uh, so the goal of uh, developing, oh, sorry, the goal of meditation, of cultivating the mind, is to develop this this peace within the mind, is to develop the the wisdom that is able to to know uh, the mental objects as they arise within the mind, uh, to know that uh, of the body, feelings, the mind, and the mind objects uh, as they are, and in this way, then if it's known in time, then there'll be no attachments and uh, the mind will, will have emptiness instead. And so uh, if one uh, practices meditation, uh, develops uh, uh, mindfulness over the, the, the thinking, seeing it arise and pass away, uh, by, by continuing to do this, then peace uh, of mind will arise and uh, this is what we call uh, wisdom that leads to the development of samadhi or concentration. And so when one develops this uh, concentration through this method, uh, usually it doesn't last for very long. And after the concentration of peace or stillness of the mind, then uh, there will be thoughts that uh, arise again and pass away. And so at that point, we have to have mindfulness to to know these conventions, to know these thinking, and to be able to let them go. And if we're able to uh, see and understand in this way, then we'll be able to see the Dhamma in that moment. Uh, there was a, a, one of the, a, a very gifted disciple of the Buddha uh, during that time, uh, one of 80, and he was the last uh, to attain uh, to enlightenment during the Buddha's time. Uh, he saw at that time uh, a cloud passing, uh, blocking out the sun, and after uh, it passed, then uh, it became bright again. Sorry, the, the cloud passing the moon, sorry. The cloud passing the moon, and uh, after it passed, then the, the moon would again be bright, the sky would be bright again. And uh, he contemplated this, and saw, and saw and understood that this was the same as the mind. Uh, when the mind is usually clear, but when uh, the mental objects uh, or defilements pass through, uh, the mind 
then it blocks and obscures the mind and it's no longer bright, uh, it becomes very dark. And so, uh, but if we, uh, no sorry, but it's passing, uh, arising and passing away, just like uh, the cloud uh, passing the moon. Uh, but if we can learn to practice uh, letting go, practice by not attaching to these moods and emotions, uh, mental objects that pass, uh, then, uh, then if we are able to know them just as they arise and pass, then we'll be able to, to see the Dhamma. And so this is what the, this uh, enlightened disciple, what he contemplated, uh, and this led to his understanding and enlightenment. May you all to see the Dhamma. Huh?